The first lesson for today is from Ezekiel chapter 33. These words will serve as the basis for our meditation this morning. And in this section, we're starting a, a new area of the book of Ezekiel. And God is preparing and sort of reissuing a call to the prophet Ezekiel in sharing his word with the Israelites. They were now deported. They had now been banished from Israel by God as, as a result of their own sinfulness and as punishment that they might feel the weight of their rebellion and their guilt. And so they're sitting in a foreign land and uh, it's all soaking in and God is teaching his prophet what kind of a messenger he needs to be and preparing him to also share words of comfort um, and grace that these people might turn from their ways and live. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel, so hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways, that wicked person will die for their sin and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. Son of man, say to the Israelites, this is what you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down, and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn. Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? The word of the Lord. seven stanzas in that great hymn and it's always one of those things you get to the seventh stanza and you find yourself with another hymn that brings you to that point of life and death and what a tremendous victory and what it means to us to be there dying to be there dying yet still to him I cleave the Jesus who receives sinners and takes them to himself. I've struggled with those last stanzas this past year because of my, my dear brother-in-law and my godson is here on a trip. I haven't seen my godson since the end of 2019. And um, it's just so rich to go to that place and to remember what a blessing it was to have a father of faith, to have a man of faith in that family who was dying and yet still to him would cleave and know that Jesus would receive the sinner and took him to himself. And that's why we're here. If I were to have started the sermon and say, give me a life and death scenario. You might have a story 
to tell me. You might have a story. Drowning in Chatfield. There's bear attacks in the wilderness. I was out with with Clint and my godson on a hike. We saw a bear. We saw a bear at 20 yards. We saw a bear that was looking us in the eyeball. Like he didn't. He wasn't like I don't know you're there. He's like I know you're there, and he's staring at us in the face. It was it's pretty crazy. A curious little juvenile bear that was snooping around, and he didn't want to leave us alone. He thought he thought we were too much fun. We weren't having all that much fun in that moment. We're pretty scared, but that would be another life and death one. And maybe you'd have a story of a car crash or even an illness or something ICU related where you say you feel this human weakness and you, you are there in this. Now that was a life, life and death situation. Did you hear that in Ezekiel? The vocabulary is right there. Ezekiel 33. Death and life. Death and life. The watchman is on the wall because of what enemy? Not because of swords and spears and bow and arrows that can pierce you like a bear claw, but because of what? These people don't have my words. They're not living with my words. They're not going my way. And there was a totally different life and death scenario that God was teaching his prophet, like, you have to be a watchman in that moment. We need a watchman there who's going to save lives. Did you, hear, did you hear that language in Ezekiel 33? Saving lives? And a God who, who kind of stakes his claim on his territory and says, as surely as I live, I don't desire the death of the wicked, but that they turn from their ways and live. Do you hear that? This is a life and death situation. We're not talking about somebody's heart stopping or they can't breathe anymore. We're talking about someone who has a way of life that is deadly. Last week, we grew up fast, didn't we? We said there's really two ways. There's the way of the cross. Everybody must, just as the Son of Man must, the Son of God must, Jesus came with his must to go the way of the cross. Do you remember this last week? He had to. He had to go and die. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no detours. There's no other ways around it. He had to go and meet it in the face so that we wouldn't die. Sin was real and it had to be dealt with. Do you remember that way of the cross? The same thing for every sinner. Raise your hand if it's a sinner, rhetorical question. Raise your hand if you're a sinner or if you know other sinners in this world. Everybody must go this way, Jesus says, of your must, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following. There's no way around your sinfulness. There's no person that says, that can say to themselves, you know what, I'm right with God. I don't have to talk about sin. Everybody needs to have a conversation about sin. It's hard. It puts something to death that I, I'd rather be proud of this rather than crucify it. I don't want to feel ashamed. I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to be in the wrong. Who wants to be in the wrong? Everybody wants to be in the right. Who wants to go down that path? But this is a life and death situation, do you see? Oh, if we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, oh, if we live this lie, how terrible that would be. You know what we need? We need a watchman. So this is where God's people were. And they were living without the word of God. 
guiding them. They were tolerating, condoning, permitting idolatry and wickedness, these Israelites, right? And Ezekiel had to say, you're going to go into captivity. We're going into captivity. And they did. They, it was just a few years ago that a number of people were deported. In 605 BC was the first deportation, the first victory over the land of Israel, and many were gone. The city of Jerusalem was still standing, still holding on, but that would, be, that would fall in a few years. We're just a couple years away from the fall of Jerusalem at the hands of the Babylonians. But Ezekiel, he's already been shipped off. He's already lost it. And he told the people, this is coming because of your sins. God is sending you out of your blessed promised land because you have given up on him. You need to know. You need to taste the bitterness of your rebellion. You need to see your adultery you need to be exposed to the ugliness of your weight, your wickedness in life. This idolatry is not good. Sexual promiscuity before an altar? No. Jipping your neighbor in the marketplace for the sake of a few extra bucks in your pocket? That's wrong. Lusting after somebody else, abusing the gift of sexuality, sinful. These are ways that God says you have to call attention to a disease. You've got you to sound the, the warning blast for a problem. This is, this is life and death. These people are going to die based on what? What's their life and death? Based on a wicked way. There is a wicked way they must be warned from. So he gives Ezekiel this most solemn call and responsibility not to be the self-righteous, only pious one walking around on the block, but to be the one who carries God's word and uses it and speaks it. So a watchman on a wall, you probably, you probably can picture this. You've got somebody with a ram's horn. I've got a ram's horn in my, my office, and there's a reason I don't have it out before you this morning. That's because it's got this tiny little hole in it that you've got to buzz your lips like a trumpet player. Does the... Yeah, I'm not all that good of a trumpet player, but it's like a piccolo trumpet hole in this ram's horn, and every time I try to play it, it goes like... It's this tiny little... It's not much of an alarm or call to worship, you know? So if a watchman on the wall has this big spiraling, you know, 24-inch ram's horn in his hand, and there's a bundle of them as they watch, and they have this solemn duty up on the hill of the city where they built their, their fortress or their stronghold to look out for miles and to see an enemy on their horses or with their chariots coming over the hills because... Many of your residents, many of your people wouldn't live behind the walls of the, the protective fortress. They would have their fields and their flocks and their herds scattered out and live in the countryside. And they depended on you to give a blast, to work your trumpet skills and give an actual sound they could hear that would call them in and warn them to what was dangerous for you so that you could get in behind the walls. And the more alarm, like as soon as you saw it, rather than like, let's check everybody else. Do you think that's an army? Should I sound the trumpet? And you wait five minutes. You're costing the slow people who aren't going to get back behind the city walls. You're, you're costing what? Lives. 
And God says, understand this, believer. Understand this, Ezekiel. If you just set the ram's horn down and fail to sound the blast, you're accountable for their blood. You're accountable for their dying. And Ezekiel has to think about the way he positions himself with other people, the way he treats conversations, the way he pays attention to attitudes and words and actions that he discovers in the hearts of those around him. There's an important aspect to this that we need to understand, and that is that, that Ezekiel isn't representing himself just as I'm not representing myself. This isn't uh, Pastor Bondo's hour for me to get up here and say the things that I feel like saying or the things that are just on my chest. This is a time for someone to proclaim the word of God. This is the time to say what God has to say to you. That is the whole purpose of our existence, and it's the whole thing that shapes and fashions and strengthens who we are as people is the word of God. So God said to Ezekiel, the first thing he needed to do as a watchman was what? How are you going to watch for dangers if you don't know what to watch for? The first thing is, hear my word. He said, hear the word I speak. Do you get that? I know it's dangerous for souls, God says. You don't, but I can reveal it to you, and I do. I'll tell you what's going on in their hearts, and you need to say this to them. In fact, he did that in the second half of this reading, didn't he? He said, say this to the people of Israel, you are saying our offenses and sins weigh us down, and we're wasting away because of them. How then can we live? God is reading hearts and attitudes that are filled with despair. And he's giving his prophet something to say. He's having his prophet watch. Mm. I see and I smell despair. And God has given me a word to say as surely as I live, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I don't desire the death of the wicked, but that you turn and live. You don't have to sit in despair. Turn. Turn to the Lord who receives sinners and live. So Ezekiel isn't standing there, and this is good for you to know in your conversations with other people, we're not speaking for ourselves. We're speaking for God. He's giving us the eyes and the ears and the message to say. So we pay attention to the right dangers and then call out the words of warning that not only warn, but also point to safety and call people to turn and live in the name of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. And for you and us, for, for us to be a part of this is an, an insane thing. It strikes me in these readings that we'd have something like Matthew 18, that when Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, say a prayer for them, that God would give them a vision from heaven and wake them up, that God would send them to the ICU and wake them up. That's not the words, is it? It's go and talk. There are plenty of people out there who think, I must be fine because I'm very successful. 
I must be fine in this way of life. I must be fine in this sin. I must be fine in this, in this thinking. And that, goes, that is the same true for us here in the midst. We must be okay as long as it's working for us. I can keep doing what I'm doing. And it's, and it's God who comes in and sends his prophet into that midst to say, it's not okay. I have spiritual eyes on you and ears listening to the attitude and paying paying attention to this that I'm going to I'm going to warn I'm going to warn this person and give them warning from God. Jesus says that's you. Don't wait for a lightning bolt from heaven. Don't wait for the temperature just to rise you get a little hot under the collar. I wonder if God is mad at me right now. Your brothers and sisters are the eyes and ears and mouth of God in your life. What good would it be for me to be a pastor if I failed to do any of this? What kind of shepherding am I supposed to do? Shepherd you to easy living? If our offerings as a congregation decline there might be a variety of reasons we might be in a very needy time a time of want where all of us just don't god has not given us much many resources but are we are we not thankful is that not something we should talk about should we talk about it should we address it or should we leave it does the shepherd say well as long as the sheep are happy i'm happy or does he say as long as the sheep are healthy and not sick what is a watchman supposed to do? What is, what are you paying attention to? Smiles on your face or attitudes in the heart? What does God pay attention to? And that's really the, the change, is to be God's watchman to say, hear my word and give them warning from me, was to step into saying, this isn't coming from me. And you need to know this too, that this is, the Lord's, this is the Lord's business. When you talk to a friend in the congregation about something they said or they did, and you ask about their behavior and you sort of investigate, they might be like, who are you paying attention? Who are you to say this in my life? Who are you to? And somebody told me once, pastors should stay out of the bedroom. The pastors don't belong. You don't belong in the bedroom. What goes on in our bed? You know, that's not, but that's not your business. Does a, is a pastor supposed to stay out of the wallet? Supposed to, is a pastor supposed to stay out of your heart and your mind? What's the real question? Where does God watch? Where does God guard and keep? Is it not all things for your spiritual good? Is it not every thought and word and action? is isn't about what I'm here to say. It's about what I say for God. It's, this is what the Lord says to you. And in the midst of all this, you understand there's pain. It's not easy to share this word. And it's not easy to hear it on the other side. But that's why we're growing up. And that you would get this first, these first words from Ezekiel would say, you know what, that may be hard. It may call for a lot of diligence. And who wants to raise up that horn and sound the alarm in someone's spiritual life? 
It's a lot easier. Everybody agrees with public safety. Everybody agrees as a community that we should watch for armies that come to knock down our fortress, right? Everybody agrees on that. Does everybody agree about sin? Does everybody agree about the way of the cross? Does everybody agree about God's word? No. It's hard to share and it's hard to receive. Who wants to be wrong? And yet, the end is not the pain. And God had to come back to his watchmen and tell Ezekiel something. And the whole last section of the book of Ezekiel works this dream. And it is the dream of a God who, when you turn, when you are crushed and you cry out, I am terrified of your wrath, O Lord. You have to save me from me. I need help from my enemies right here. I need saving, O God. God would work into his prophet the message of a new covenant that he had to share. And he had to make sure it was clear what he desires. That this isn't fun for a pastor to just get up, I can't wait to preach the law on Sunday. Boy, do I have some fire and brimstone to bring to you today. That's not how I wake up on a Sunday morning. But I would be terrible watchman if I had no law in a sermon. I would be terrible at interpreting scripture if we had no sin to talk about on Sunday. You know what? Let's we'll take a break from sin. It's Labor Day weekend. We're going to take a break for the week. We don't have any. But the pain that it causes to actually speak the word of God and be faithful to it is not the goal to just crush and kill. So God says, as surely as I live, prophet, you need to know my heart and my core. You need to know how I live and breathe for all eternity. And that's why we sang so loudly Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Jesus sinners does receive. A God who says, I need to say this in the most strong language I can use. As surely as I live declares the sovereign Lord, listen, sinners, to these words. You are to use them with your despairing friends and your despairing sinners and brothers and sisters in Christ when they fall into wayward ways and turn. I do not desire this pain that you end there. I do not desire the death of the wicked. I'm not just sending prophets out with hammers to crush your spirits and ship you off to Babylon and I'm done with you. I don't want you to die. But that you turn and live. This is the God putting himself in words for you. Dying still to him you cleave. Dying. Because of sin. Clinging to him. Because that's who he is. Jesus sinners does receive. My brothers and sisters, this is the goal. It's, it's been not just love, as the world understands love, the live and let live, tolerate this, don't get into your neighbor's business, what's mine is mine, what's yours and yours, let's just live separate alone lives. No, this is a, boy, this is a precious watching community. That, that title, 
your brother's keeper, that big excuse of Cain to distance himself from the Abel that he had killed. It's so different for you. It's so different for me. Keeper. It's what everything I want to be. It's everything I want to be is a keeper. Watchman. Oh, what a role for the saving of souls. We get to do this for each other. Yeah, I want you to pay attention to my attitudes. I want you to pay attention to my words and my actions. Minister to me the word of God and you want the same from your pastor. You want the same from your brothers and sisters. This is what's going to matter, that we might be kept by the word of God, that we might not let it go in indifference and lose the words of God and lose the will of God, how he would have us live in the way of the cross. Oh, let's just go the easy way. Let's not talk about sin anymore. No, we want to keep those words and keep ourselves in those words and by those words. Ultimately, they are the words that reach out and grab that soul on your dying day and keep you forever. So may the Lord give us strength to be what God is asking and calling us to be. When your brother or sister sins, open your mouth. Go. Talk. Love them God's way. It's hard. But let's grow up. Not just random growth. Let's grow up into him. As a brother's keeper. Amen.